You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji-Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Hello, Spot On listeners. We got a good one for you today. Very meaty, if I want to say that. Uh, According to an article in Supermarket Perimeter, which is a, a magazine that deals with the food industry, the pandemic has caused shifts in patterns for people, you know, especially for Gen Zs and millennials, because this generation, they were saying that used to go out a lot to eat or maybe pick up food to take home, you know, so takeout was a big thing. But you know, now with the pandemic, they are, or a lot of them are having to head back to the kitchen. And it was an interesting article because they said that they really need dinner solutions, ideas, and inspirations. So I brought on a person today as a guest that's going to give us all three. But before we do that, let's go to the streets and find out, do you find it challenging to cook a meal. As a college student, I do find it challenging to cook a meal because it takes a lot of time and with classes and extra work going on, I don't think I can devote much time to cooking and I would just prefer to order in because it would be much easier for me. No, I don't find it challenging to cook a meal necessarily. It depends on the meal, of course, but In general, you can do easy substitutes for like a quick and easy meal. Um, When I have a light workload, I find it's a lot easier to find time to cook real meals. But the heavier my workload is, the more I tend to go for quick and convenient foods. I think cooking a meal can be challenging if you're trying to tackle a really complicated recipe. But I think being able to cook like some simple staple meals isn't that difficult. Okay, so today, this is a real treat. I have Roseanne Russ, and she is a registered dietitian and an internationally recognized nutrition expert, author, blogger, I love this one, truth seeker, who focuses on helping people set realistic, healthy goals. And she's really a researcher and a writer at heart, and she's created her blog, which I love. It's called Chew the Facts, and we're going to put this up, uh, the link to it on the spot on Facebook page. And she really, like, wants to cut to the chase, just similar to what, you know, spot on is all about, to separate, you know, fact from fiction when it comes to nutrition information and help you just enjoy eating and um, feeling good about your food selections. She's the author of two books, and the one, her newest book, book is the reason why she is on because she published a book called Dash Diet for Two and it's a cookbook for people cooking for one or two which hello bingo right on spot on here so with that I want to uh, welcome Roseanne Russ to spot on Hello, Joan. Thank you so much for having me. This is a great topic. Yes, and we're going to put the copy of the book up on the Spot On Facebook page. But can you just help our listeners here? DASH diet. I mean, we're we're nutrition professionals, so we know what that means. But can you just quickly say, what is a DASH diet? 
Absolutely. Um, it's actually, it sounds, you know, it's a word, DASH, and it's not dashing out or into your kitchen. It's an acronym for a landmark research study that was called Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension. Hypertension is the medical term for high blood pressure. So this was a study that um, showed how diet can reduce blood pressure in people with high blood pressure. But because it's such a well-balanced diet, it has become sort of a popular, um, easy to follow, healthy meal plan. And as you may know, US News and World Report has voted it number one for overall healthy eating several years in a row. So DASH, D-A-S-H, dietary approaches to stop hypertension, but basically it's just a healthy diet. Right. Okay, that's great. So now, I love this. What made you write the book, Cooking for uh, Two, or as I I said in the episode, or just you, because it's just so interesting, because this book was out before, you know, we got this statistic from Supermarket Perimeter. So you must have had a gut feeling that there was a need for this book. Well, I can't say that I had a gut feeling, Joan, but the publisher did. (laughs) And I was pitched this book, and because I... Um, I'm the my youngest child is a freshman in college, so I just became sort of an empty nester, and I'm cooking a lot more meals for two. So I think uh, it's just really applicable. And of course, now that a lot of people are stuck at home, they're cooking for smaller numbers of people. Right, that's right, and that so that's great, and and for for college students or soon to be college students or empty nesters because all of those are. Are, are listen to the a podcast here, uh, you know, when you get a recipe, it may serve six, you know, and so then, and people sometimes don't know how to chop it in half or, or drizzle it down to, to, you know, only one or two people. So that's what it's all about today on, on this episode to help you feel more comfortable in the kitchen. So, so Rosie, why do you think young folks are afraid of cooking or are, are not as comfortable about it, you know, calling a DoorDash? Well, you know, I think really it's, it's, you know, a lot of reasons, but I think one, they may not have had anyone really show them. And now all of a sudden they're in their own kitchen and (laughs) they're not sure what to do. They, they may know part of the process, but some of them may not know any of it. You know, the shopping, the planning, the, the, the recipe, the cookware, setting up the kitchen, kind of being, being organized there. And then others who may have had some of that background just don't have the confidence. You know, I, I'm sure you remember when you were young, venturing into a kitchen or it trying to serve a meal to somebody. Oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. But, you know, practice makes perfect. You know, I must have been 13. And, you know, when I was growing up, tuna casseroles were like the big thing, you know. And so, so for our listeners who are, you know, so much younger, don't even know what that is. But that's, you know, mac- you take uh, elbow macaroni and, and tuna fish and, I don't know, some like cream of mushroom soup or something, and you put it all together and you bake it in the oven. Well, me, the doofus, and the person that's you know, wasn't savvy enough or had to learn, I didn't know you had to cook the noodles first. So anyway, you can only imagine <laughs> if you bake raw noodles, you just have uh, warm raw noodles when you get out of the oven. So um, that was a jawbreaker right there. So you're right. You had to learn and make mistakes. And now I know you have to boil noodles first. So there you go. So I can totally relate to this. And unless you stumble, you're not going to learn. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, these are the kinds of memories that you have. Yeah, it's totally okay to make mistakes. 
Yes, it is. And in fact, and you know something, it's only totally, totally okay to make substitutions. And that's another big one. Because people don't know how to make substitutions. They get to the something in the recipe and they're missing blank and they think, oh, now I can't go forward. So, you know, tell me about some other obstacles that you think make it more challenging for young adults to, um, you know, cooking. Most kids are on a budget mm-hmm. and they have yeah. limited time. I mean, time's an issue for everyone and certainly for a busy college student. So that's what I hope to, you know, help help your listeners out with is how to do things on a on a skimpy budget and how to do things that are quick and easy. I am overwhelmed and and this is a lot of this is from the pandemic. I am overwhelmed with the amount of culinary tools, you know, tools to have in the kitchen. I and mean, when I grew up, you had a knife and a spatula and a spoon. And now you have air fryers. You have all these fabulous utensils. Like, but, you know, again, for young people, that can rack up a lot of money to buy all those tools. So, do you, like, what do, what do they really need? Yeah. Well, again, keep it simple. That's going to be a theme here. You know, I, I actually just created a college student list for the kitchen at my Amazon store. But if I had to pick like a couple of things, I say a decent frying pan, okay. a three quart pot, you know, it's kind of big enough to cook noodles or something for two, but you can also do a lot of other things with a simple pot, an oven or and microwave safe mm-hmm. dish, mm-hmm. like a you know, simple glass Pyrex type, mm-hmm. eight by eight. You can put it in the microwave. You can put it in the oven and a good knife. And, you know, maybe one wooden spoon. See, see, I wasn't far off. See, what was old is new again. So really what I was working with is really the basics. And that's great. You said something, you have a, a, a kitchen tool list on Amazon. What did you just say? I do. I have in my Amazon store, because of course I sell my books through Amazon, I have a kitchen tool list and I created a college student one just for you. Really top three, top five is hard, but 10 items because we could add a baking sheet to that. I think that's really useful for quick meals. And my favorite tool, the kitchen shears. And tell us, tell us what that, what kitchen shears are. Well, they're scissors for the kitchen, you know, so they're a little heavier duty and you keep them in your kitchen supplies. So they have to stay nice and clean. You're not cutting shrubs with them or anything else or, or paper or, you know, Amazon boxes. You're just using them for food right. and they, they can sub in for a couple of different knives. You know, you can snip herbs with them. You can cut your pizza with them. My mother always, my mother cut pizza with kitchen shears and that was the beginning of my love with that utensil. You can cut meat with them. You can all do all kinds of stuff with a pair of kitchen shears. Your mother's a genius. I didn't even think of that. It works 100% of the time as opposed to a pizza cutter, which is a one-purpose tool pretty much that doesn't work half the time. Yeah, and see, I love that. So what you're saying is get a tool that is, uh, has multiple uses because, you know, yeah, maybe in an apartment or, or a kitchenette or something that is so small, you don't want to be clogging the drawers. Yeah, and you don't want to waste your money on a bunch of stuff. That's right. That's right. That's great. That's right. Okay, so, you know, help us here. I'm a big proponent of cooking once and eating twice or, or three times. How can that help, especially for young cooks? Yeah, that is both a money saver and a time saver, big time time saver. So you want to start thinking about, you know, if you're going to cook and you're going to dirty a pan or a pot, you know, why not make twice as much of it and then 
you don't have to do it again tomorrow or the next day. So let's say you're doing like a sheet pan dinner. You can do throw some chicken drumsticks on there or chicken thighs, maybe some potatoes or vegetable. If you're only cooking for two, but you buy, you know, four chicken thighs, cook them all. Or if you're only cooking for one even. And then you have cooked meat or a cooked vegetable that is ready to go, that can be chopped into a different meal the next day. You can put it on pasta. You can put it into a rice mix. Um, you can make a sandwich. Lots of choices. That's great. And, and you're right. So I love the the best thing you said was dirty it, dirty up the pot or the pan once. And, that, and that's right, because there's a lot of time goes into cleaning up. And what the heck? So know this for a fact that Roseanne, if you buy them like more of a bulk, like like four to six chicken thighs in a pack, they're cheaper than if you buy like one or two. Correct. And, you know, you can also freeze for later. But why not just cook it all? That way, that whole cooking and cleaning step is done. And then you can even maybe freeze the cooked meat, and then you're still saving time, you know, next week. At Boston University, many, sometimes they don't really have a breakfast or lunch. They have this brunch in the between thing. And, you know, I know this is very popular. I know this is popular with my kids. So give us some of your top brunch recipe ideas uh, that are, you know, again, you're cooking for uh, two or just cooking for yourself. So uh, help us out here. Yes. All right. So for when you're doing this at home, I think everyone loves an egg sandwich and that's very economical to make at home. But again, you can do this cook ahead part too. So I like to use muffin tins. So that would be enough. That's another thing on my list is a six silicone muffin pan mm. and you can cook your eggs in there. And then you can add all kinds of goodness to them. You can put in chopped peppers or spinach or a little chopped ham, whatever you like, some cheese. You can even make six different ones because they're mm. separated. And then those freeze well too. So you can do an egg sandwich with those. You can put them on a toasted English muffin. You can roll it up, you know, just smush it up and roll it into a burrito with some extra cheese or some more vegetables on top. Egg sandwiches are great and you can do that ahead. But I think there's a lot of options with an egg sandwich. And then you can make some and freeze them. And then you've got right. them in the freezer, take them out, defrost them in the fridge, you know, heat them in the microwave and you're ready to go. So, you know, really when you think about it, if you're making these little egg muffins here, you know, and if you're putting vegetables in it, maybe some meat, maybe reduced fat cheese, and you're going to pop it out and then put it on a bread or roll up or something, you got like a healthy balanced meal there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the other uh, brunch idea is, you know, the toasts or what I like to call bagels with benefits. You know, I don't know about you. I love bagels. I've always loved them. I love a good bagel. But, okay, a bagel itself, it's all carbs. You know, there's some nutrients in there. But how about adding some benefits? You know, doing the avocado spread. Or I like a little regatta. has some protein, some calcium. You can do peanut butter or... Almond butter, any kind of nut butter, add some sliced fruit on that bagel, like some bananas or some sliced strawberries, you know, pile it up with some good stuff. I mean, you can do the egg sandwich, that adds some benefits to the bagel too, but think of your toast or your bagel as more than just, you know, that, that carb factor, add some fruits and vegetables to those too. I love the benefits. First of all, let me just explain to my listeners here, 
when when you said this word, I, I my eyes filled up. You reminded me of my sister. But uh, Roseanne is Italian like me, and, and, and you can't see it, but she, I can tell you she's talking with her hands. Uh, but she said she said the word regatta, and uh, and and that some people know it as ricotta cheese, but not if you're Italian. So I just wanted to explain to people what that word was. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, my eyes are cheering up, sweetheart. So that's great. I love that idea. My husband would be chuckling in the background if he were here because I am talking with my hands. <laughs> I can't <laughs> I know, help I it. I know. That bagel of benefits. I love that. And again, you know, if you had uh, the leftover chicken that you, you know. Uh, from the day before or you can make that into like a like a pizza a bagel and make it like like a pizza bagel and put stuff on it yeah yeah absolutely you can do it savory and that you know kind of gives you that brunch that whole brunch theme right great all right what's another one uh all right another one and you know i think a lot of times for college students even though it's brunch they still like some breakfasty stuff you know, eaten later. So I think an oatmeal bake or overnight oats is another idea. Right. Rosie, do you have like um, some recipes that you could send us for these ideas so that the spot on listeners can, you know, make these? Because like, I, I think they, uh, overnight oats is pretty common. You know, you, you put it in the refrigerator overnight, but the oat square, I actually would like that myself. And they, there's probably some directions on that, but that's another good idea where you make ahead. And then the next day you don't have to make brunch because you made it ready. So I love that. Okay. So if, if let's move on from brunch to dinner. So, you know, uh, you know, what's some easy dinner ideas? Right. So again, I'm a broken record with the one pan meals. Easy. Mm-hmm. I want it to be simple and easy. So I love a one pan meatball. You know, you use your frying pan. You know, I, I don't have this on the list, the cast iron pan, but I don't know about you, but I do love my cast iron pan. Uh, and that works well for a, a one pan meatball. So you're doing, you know, instead of making the sauce and and putting things together in a different baking dish and then putting in the oven, you're just doing it all in one pan. So you're simmering some sauce, you're browning your meatballs first, putting your sauce in, letting it bubble. You can do it all on the stove or you can pop it in the oven with some melted cheese on top and you can serve it with pasta or you can just you know have the meatballs with a salad, piece of bread, dip it in there and it's delicious. You know, and if you didn't want to make the meatballs yourself, you can buy frozen meatballs now. Yeah, absolutely. And this way, all you do is, is it's already made, you pop it in, you do the simmering. But then, but again, you say a single meatball, well, what the heck, cook up six of them and then you have the leftovers. Exactly. Right. That's great. And how about, how about vegetables? Like, how would you add vegetables to that? I love using, I love roasted vegetables. And if you are someone who... You know, maybe you're not too adventurous with vegetables. Try roasting them and drizzle a little olive oil on top, a little salt, a little garlic maybe. Throw it in the oven, 35 minutes, let them roast, turn them around a little bit uh, halfway through. And then again, you can make a whole sheet pan, a giant bowl of them. Eat part of that right now for dinner. And then next day, put that, put that on pasta or put it in your uh, scrambled eggs uh, add it to a sandwich. You know, they're cooked. They're not going to go mushy and rotten in the in the fridge, in the, you know, crisper drawer. They're cooked. And when they're cooked and easy to eat, you'll eat them. Because fruits and vegetables, especially vegetables, they do take a little more time. And I really think that's a barrier for people. Uh, I'm going to skip the vegetable because I have to wash it and cut it and cook it. 
but but again, you can use frozen vegetables. You can do canned vegetables, so you don't. You, you, Absolutely, and canned food. You know, canned green beans, corn, um, peas, uh, beans for sure are definitely something you want to keep. Uh, you know, kind of a staple on your pantry shelf. You know, what you said before was quite, I started to smile here because it wasn't until I got to graduate school did I realize that broccoli uh, shouldn't be combat green looking when it's on the plate. You know, by roasting them or sauteing them, they really keep the flavor. And another thing that I like too is those zoodles, you know, where you have like um, frozen uh, zucchini zoodles and that can be pasta too. And that's a great way to get some vegetables on the plate. And, you know, and I, because, you know, you, you already disclosed, I'm Italian. I love my pasta. Uh, so do my children. So we'll do half and half. You know, yes. we'll do half, half angel hair and half zoodles. So, you know, then you kind yeah. of have, for me, it's more satisfying as a meal. But, yeah, um, yeah, you know, the way you slice and dice it can make a real difference in the appeal of vegetables. But, right. you know, for busy college students, you want to keep it simple you know, I you don't have to do all the fancy stuff, but you you know you can still make food taste good. Okay, give us another dinner idea. Enchilada casserole. Ooh, okay, so chili. Think chili. Think Tex-Mex. Right. So this mm-hmm. if this is another example of this cook once, uh, eat twice or thrice. The enchilada casserole, and I have this recipe uh, at Chew the Facts. This is easier than making enchiladas because you're not rolling things, doesn't have to be as precise. Uh, And interestingly, this is another way I sneak some veggies in. I make a sauce with canned pumpkin. It sounds crazy, but when you put chili powder and cumin into canned pumpkin, it really can make a really delicious enchilada sauce. So that's sort of the secret of the secret sauce. But, okay, you're browning either lean ground beef or, you know, maybe some lean uh, ground turkey. You're chopping some onions and some peppers and sauteing those into the lean ground beef. And then you add a can of beans, drained, rinsed. Now you've got this bean, veggie, beef mixture. (laughs) And that's going to be part, you know, the base of your enchilada casserole. And then you're just going to use corn tortillas and the sauce and you're going to layer it kind of like a lasagna. And then sprinkle a little cheese on top and bake it. But again, if you make double the beef and bean and um, pepper mi- mixture, you can save half, freeze it, then it's cooked beef for later. Then you can serve that on, you know, on nachos or you can make uh, soft tacos with that another day next week. Wow. I the pumpkin you you had me with the pumpkin I'm trying that and and again we're going to put these recipes and lists that Rosanna has given us up on the spot on Facebook page because these are uh you know I want you to be able to download them and you know t- you know tack them to your refrigerators to give you some ideas I'm I'm excited about this you gave us some great ideas and just give us some little words of wisdom to be okay with failing and and because I know that is scary for a lot of people when it doesn't come out so give us some words of a pep talk here so we're able to fail and you know survive and come back as a kitchen yeah you know <laughs> we learn from our mistakes so when something doesn't go right number one you know if it's still edible eat it <laughs> we don't yeah. like to waste food and don't be afraid of just trying because chefs experiment. I mean, we, you know, I'm not a chef, but people who are experienced cooks go through trial and error 
first time I did the pumpkin sauce, it didn't work out so well. I can only imagine what that tasted like. <laughs> yeah, it tastes okay. It was the consistency. But, you know, you have to experiment. And the more you do, the more you try in the kitchen, the more it becomes more comfortable, the more you see, oh, yeah, this is what it's supposed to feel or look like or the consistency of something maybe. Um, and it, it tasted good that time. So now I know I have to do it that way. Um, but stick to simple, you know, one pan meals doesn't have to be complicated. You know, you got to start simple and then you can bump up your skills to some fancy sauce or technique. You know, cooking to me, it's a survival skill too. You know, it's, it's a basic skill that I really want everyone to have. So at, when you're in college, when you're that age, your early twenties, mid twenties, you want to do this. To, for, for the survival of yourself. You want to be healthy long-term. So when you can learn to cook, you're going to be okay. This is a great time to have trial and error and, you know, try to, uh, you know, sharpen your cooking skills. And these ideas that you gave us are just fabulous. And again, the resources you're going to send me are even going to be even t more terrific and um, a good support for all of us. So, Rosie and Russ, I can't thank you enough for coming on Spot On. You are welcome. Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salji Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you?